I have to ask, you got your major in history in Alabama. Will you forget all of the history you learned once they tear down those statues? <laughs> no, I just, um, I think it's, I mean, I can't even do this bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> This just this, this just goes into our cold open now. That's fine because uh, we we normally put some sort of weird outtake in the cold open, so that'll be perfect. Okay, good. Yep. <laughs> What's up? This is Luda. Welcome to Tuba, Chris. That's right. It's a podcast. It's about two things and two things only. It's about Lederhosen and Wiener Schnitzel. What? What's happening? We are your Hamburglers. I'm Mike Proper. Oh, I got to give that nickname a grimace. That was rough. You got to say your name, too. I'm Jack Von Albany. Oh, hey, Jack. Hey, Mike. How you doing? What are, what are you listening to right now, listener? Are you in an alternate universe? I don't know. Check your calendar. What month is it? It's September. You know what that means? It's Oktoberfest. October it's confusing. This is an exciting theme episode. One of our, our, our famous theme episodes. It is. We're famous for our theme episodes. People have talked about it in the annals of history. They say, remember those guys and their theme episodes? And I, I think they were referring to us. They were like, that podcast that's about two things and two things only. I forget those two things, but those theme episodes. Mike, how's your week been? It's been good. Uh, I just got back from Detroit, Michigan. Ah, Detroit, Michigan. The most German of cities. Famously so. With all of their famous Detroit foods like pizza and chili on hot dogs. Very German. I, and I, I'm glad you brought up Coney Dogs because I can, they're called Coney Dogs, but they're most famous in Detroit. In theory, I think people in Brooklyn and Conal would disagree, but no one in Detroit finds it weird that their like quintessential food is named after another place. Coney and Dogs are gross. Ginger ale? Yeah, Werner's. That's gross too. Yeah, Werner's at least sounds German. Yeah, it does. Until you see how it's spelled, and then I don't think it. I don't think yeah. it counts anymore. But uh, that's about all I can think. I'm out of D- Detroit foods. Uh, there's a lot of Polish food. So like that's, I feel like German adjacent. So there's like pierogies. I feel like you can get some good pierogies in Detroit. Right. Meta world piece of pizza. Yep. How was your week? How was your... the palace? That was fun. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, they blew up the palace recently. Too much malice. Couldn't handle it. My week's been good to answer your question. <laughs> it's been great. Got a new mini fridge this week from. Hell yeah. Friend of the pod, uh, Tony, he was headed back to Iowa. He's moving out of his place and he wanted to get rid of it. So he asked if we wanted his mini fridge, which could eat my old mini fridge. It's more of like a, a mid-sized fridge at that point. Okay. I think it ceases being mini when it can fit another mini fridge inside it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Macro so it's, fridge? It's a well, fridge. Well, macro fridge would just be a fridge, right? Yeah. Let's call it a, it's like a center fridge if we're going based on the metric system. Uh, and then I had a Miller fridge. Yeah, and that would that would they would do that in Germany, so that makes sense. Yeah, this is this is all this is a very European podcast. We're doing everything European style. Mike and I are topless, and we're underage drinking. We're underage drinking, like we always do. That's the the weird thing we've never explained on this podcast. We're both fourteen year old boys. Yeah, 
explains the humor. It does. Yeah, it's been a it's been a good week. And how was Detroit? What was that like up there? We got we got sidetracked by my week. No, it was good. We uh we were there for our baby shower, which was kind of a weird experience, but we felt very loved and showered with gifts. It was nice. Nice. That actually that's what it is. I have a mini fridge. My old one was a baby fridge. Yes. We've solved it. We've cracked the case. Well, should we introduce our guest who's been very patient as we just buried German culture even very, very quickly? Like, she's, I'm annoyed with how that went. So she's got to be really annoyed. So, like, I'm glad she's stuck around and hasn't logged off the Zoom yet. I mean, I was close. Please welcome to the show the other half of Death and All Her Friends, former Detroit resident and authority on Germany, Sarah Bauman. Hi. How are you? Welcome to the pod. Thanks. Um, I'm super jazzed to be on the podcast talking about my my very favorite thing in the whole world, which is German culture. And that's one of the two things we talk about in this podcast. We talk about German culture and Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah, I love that, me think, Wiener Schnitzel. Interpret that however you want. I fucking love it. It's so good. It's, I, it's genuinely awesome. I want to get back to Detroit for just one second. As a former Detroit, Metro Detroit resident, what are your thoughts on Coney Dogs? Um, I think they're good. I preferred like Detroit style pizza if I'm going to have a Detroit for sure snack. I'm just saying. I feel like Detroit dish is highly underrated. You still have like a deep dish feel, but you don't have all that like extra crust, which nobody needs or wants. And you just get like extra burnt cheese and it is so good. Uh, I'm with you. We actually used some Buddy's Pizza this weekend, which is, I feel like, a pretty good quintessential Detroit pizzeria. But uh, I'm with you. And you're seeing a lot more Detroit-style pizzas in Chicago, and I'm on board with that. That That is the quintessential Detroit food, I think. I think that's why I like Pequod so much. I feel like Pequod reminds me of Detroit style, the way with, like, kind of the the burnt crust and, and just the like the actual, like, thickness of the crust. is not, you know, like, a deep dish is very thin, where I feel like that has a little bit more depth to it. And then that's like Pequod, which if you're not from Chicago, you don't know Pequod. So if you're from Chicago, of course you do. Uh, it reminds me of Detroit pizza, kind of like a best of both worlds kind of thing. Right, and all the way to the edges kind of, kind of vibe. Into it. That's enough Detroit for the rest of the show. <laughs> now back to the main reason we're all here, Germany, because it's Oktoberfest. And it so is. we're celebrating the beer half of things with an Oktoberfest episode. And I and should say we're calling it Tuba Chris because the tuba is an instrument commonly found in German music. It is. Oh, I like all of it. I think. I think. All of the German music, yeah. It's it, all tubas? I Actually, I think 99 Left Balloons, I don't think that, I think it was just strictly tuba if i'm thinking you know if i think about it correctly well that's um, how they blew up the balloons they used the tuba as like a yeah they blew in the big end and it came out the small end and into the balloons no yeah i think you're right that sounds about right i saw a documentary on it it was good name is fantastic also uh, last uh, episode we recorded was move bitch sorry and that's definitely got tuba in it it's maybe the most tuba forward ludicrous song (gasps) i mean is there a better form of being Tuba forward. Germany's called Deutschland, too. Yeah. We call it Germany, but but they call it Deutschland. Isn't that weird? Isn't that something to think about? Mm -hmm. This is part of Mike's tight five. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of which, Sarah, you used to host uh, an open mic at a German restaurant. Um, R.I.P. the Radler, um, Das Radler. I don't know if they're going to reopen. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if they're going to open post-COVID. I walked past the other day. It looked pretty dim, but Mm. it was a delightful hipster Berlin-esque 
German restaurant. Yeah, we had a Joketoberfest. It was really fantastic. Uh, I just used every opportunity to talk about Angela Merkel. That was pretty much my running bit because uh, she's fantastic and better than everyone else. That's all I have to say about that. We love the Mercs on this podcast. We we are our, our noted Mercs supporters, Mercs stands. It's established. The the only time I was in Germany, I saw Angela Merkel. I went to the the Reichstag, and she was just like walking in for work. How have we never talked about this, Jack? Because I I've been trying to keep it a secret. I'm trying to protect her, safe, keep her safe. I mean, but like we would be best friends. Like I would be her new Obama. I'm just saying. Like we could just walk through fields, go to conferences together, be besties. It would be fantastic. I mean, I'm not as cool as Obama, but like. I could be like a close second. That's always why we're calling you the new Obama. Yay! That well-known nickname that we have always been using. Should have been used in the way up top. Yeah, I don't. I just I like to act surprised every time I hear it because it's just a really fantastic nickname that I'm honored to have. Obaumen, Obaumen. Ah, no, it's close. Yeah, it's yeah. so close, but it doesn't quite work. <laughs> it's one of those. But it's, it's so close. Oh man, <laughs> I'm like it's so close though, Jack. It's just right there. It's like I can just I can just almost get there. Dang it. Fiddlesticks. Well, Sarah, I think you've been to Germany more than the two of us combined. Normally this is the part where we would ask you about your relationship to Ludacris, which we will, but first, what's your relationship to Germany? Well, I lived there for three months in Bonn. Uh, which was the former capital while Berlin was occupied by the Soviet Union. It is no longer the capital. Uh, and you can tell when you go. It's just kind of, I mean, it's still like a small town, but there are all these buildings that they don't quite know what to do with anymore because they're not being used from like a federal perspective. But anyway, it's really beautiful. It's actually the town where, uh, you know, those little Haribo candy gummies, the little bears, they are made there. Whoa. Yeah. So freaking delicious. And uh, it's also where, well, pretty close. The Rhineland area is like, relatively speaking, where the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was like came into fruition because it's technically Snow White and the Seven Mountains. And the Seven Mountains are like a nice 20 minute drive from Bonn. So to situate you in the beautiful Rhineland area, that's where I lived. And Berlin is my favorite city in the whole world. I would move there in a heartbeat if I could get citizenship. I have better claim to Slovenia, but I would dream to live in Berlin just forever and ever. That would be great. It's a pretty rad place. Now, can you confirm or deny the rumors that the reason that the gentleman in the Snow White story was so short is because of chemical runoff from the Haribo plant? You know, I do think that that is actually from Richersport, which is the uh, other candy company that is there, those cute little wafer cookies. Um, Ah. There's more chemicals that go into those than the Haribo gummies, surprisingly. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. be another another Brutacris Investigates episode is going to be us blowing the lid off the German candy conspiracy. But that yeah. one's going to be sponsored by the Albanese Candy Company. They make their own gummy bears in like Northwest Indiana. So there's going to be some conflicts of interest there, but that's OK. Yeah, yeah, we're part of big gummy. <laughs> it's, it's a known fact. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, aside from Germany, then, Sarah, what's your relationship to rapper, actor, icon and normally subject to the show? Christopher Ludacris Bridges. Well, I grew up in the finest era of hip hop, I like to think. And Roll Out just really spoke to me. And Pimpin' All Over the World also spoke to me. Those were my two favorites. Um, 
And I, you know, it's funny because I still return to Ludacris all the time. I love all of his new stuff. I actually really freaking love Silence of the Lambs. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I want to just, the, the line that like sold me on this song, which is literally line two, but uh, I love R. Kelly, but around my daughters, I'm not comfortable. Love it. It's a complicated lyric to think it's about. It's a very complicated lyric. <laughs> it is. I think it uh, it really captures how we all feel about the Ignition remix, where it comes on and you're like, yeah, and then you remember who sings it, and then you're all, oh, no. Yep. And then you feel real guilty because it's still a catchy tune. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, World's Greatest, another one. Every athlete that ever was an athlete in that time listened to that song. And now you turn it back and you're like, you're not the world's greatest. You might be the world's worst person ever. Definitely not the greatest. He probably made it onto one of those like true TV compilation shows like world's worst criminals. (laughs) I think he was on there for world's worst R&B artists slash criminals. And he believed he could fly, but I think he's going to fly straight to hell because of his sins. That sounds like a German fairy tale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, we're doing those later. Sorry. I, I jumped the gun. I'm like, no, you're fairy. fine. We'll come I'll back. I'll do that. a different one. You're, you're not wrong. Uh, you bring up Silence of the Lambs, which is interesting. We talked about it very briefly on our Versus episode because that is when Luda premiered the song, but we haven't really talked about it since then. It is a song that Ludacris just recently released with Lil Wayne. We'll listen to a clip really quickly. <laughs> That sounds like a tuba. Here we go. The world's screwed if niggas pouring drinks like Bill Huxtable. <laughs> I love R. Kelly, but around my daughters, I'm not comfortable. Stand for what you believe in, like Kaepernick. You either in control or you getting fucked, no abstinence. There's <laughs> not enough blacks in the driver's seat like at NASCAR. Why? Because most racist people still drinking what's at Roseanne's bar. <laughs> Gandhi told me to be the change that I want to see. But Mayweather told me blow my change on a shopping spree. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. But why the world takes the time? Can I get some drugs, sweet drugs? Because when you rich, too rich, all you get is mug, mean mug. And I'm getting to that age, sweet age. I shouldn't be up in the club, sweet club. Damn. I forgot that he precedes the R. Kelly reference with a kind of confusing mixed Bill Cosby reference. He says Bill Huxtable, and his name was Cliff Huxtable in the show. I think he's trying to make it clearer, but it just makes it more confusing. Yeah, that's how I read that too. But I also am just like, I mean, going back to how layered the R. Kelly statement is, that one is also kind of layered. Um, Really comes out of the gate hot. Real hot, real hot. It's a, it's an interesting song though. It's a Timbaland beat too, and it's um, it's such like a downbeat song. It's not you know I feel like that's an interesting choice for like kind of a, a comeback for for Luda. He really hasn't had a whole lot of music out in a while, so I don't I like it, but I don't know if it's I, I don't think it's really like you know we have a ludicrous podcast, so I think we're a little more uh, ingrained into what he's doing. But I don't know if it's kind of gone as wide and has been as big as as he maybe hoped no i think part of it is it doesn't fully feel like a luda flow or even a beat that he can really get in the pocket of he can crush a timbaland beat but this one's just a little down tempo and i don't think it works perfectly for him honestly his flow to me sounds like a slowed down big sean flow Hmm. 
I can hear that. Because he says like a couple times. If you cut those out and just did the hashtag rap, it would basically be a perfect Big Sean flow. Honestly, I think like the best, I'm not a huge Lil Wayne fan. I, I love the Carter two back in the day, but that's kind of the extent of my, my big Lil Wayne fandom. Uh, I, I do really like the hook though. I think he, he's really good on that. Yeah, it's catchy. I don't think it's bad. I just, uh, it's not, it's not what I would expect as the first beat and kind of structure of song for the two of them. Yeah. Especially put together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd one, but I don't know if it's bad. It's just odd. Well, it's odd. It's catchy, though. The beat's stuck in my head right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've just been bopping to it with it still not playing. <laughs> and Sarah, you're also a, a pretty big Lil Wayne fan, if I remember correctly. You know, I do really like Lil Wayne, but you want to know who my absolute favorite is? No disrespect, but Nelly. Nelly is my favorite. That's okay. That's okay. We we established on the episode that he lost the verses to Ludacris, but it was closer than we expected. Good. Good for him. He knows what it takes to be number one. He certainly does. Honestly, it kind of felt like he could have used a win that day. He was fucked up during that whole thing. (laughs) His Wi-Fi was terrible. He can't even get good Wi-Fi. Ludacris... You can tell Ludacris has been better with his money because his Wi-Fi is through the roof. And Nelly, he just what he's buying too many Air Force Ones. Dude, Nelly has been notoriously bad with his money. Yeah. Just saying, he has given a lot to charity, though. I'm just saying, like a lot. Yeah. The high-speed Wi-Fi flex is an underrated flex in the game. No one raps about how they've got fiber internet, but I would love that. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to hear people rapping about having 5G before everyone had 5G. You know, on the subject, I, this is a very weird story, but I think this is the only time it would ever be appropriate to tell this story on the podcast. And it involves the aforementioned Big Sean and Germany and rap music in general. And it was when I was in Berlin, they have the like a Holocaust Memorial Museum there that's a, a brilliantly well done museum uh, and a, a very important and worthwhile museum to go to. I was walking past it later in the day and right across the street from one of the edges, because the museum is underneath a kind of like abstract sculptural garden art piece. I don't even know what you would call it, but it's an art piece that is above the ground and the museum is below the art piece. And there was a bar across the street. And the bar, I don't think, thought about its location to a very solemn and devastating memorial. And so as I'm walking by, this bar is playing at full volume the Nicki Minaj remix of Dance Parentheses Ass. Nicki's verse is filthy. It was <laughs> the strangest cognitive dissonance to have to deal with hearing that song and being right in front of a Holocaust memorial. It was bizarre. And I feel like someone should have been fired for that. You know, worse things have been done in those, because I know exactly what memorial you're talking about. And people just do the most obscene things. They have like these tall pillars and it's like a beautiful memorial. And there are these tall marble pillars. And you just see people running around in them or like standing on top of them. I'm assuming most of them are Americans. I'm just going to say it. And it's a safe bet. Um, very safe bet. And, you know, you're supposed to be quiet on the premise. And maybe that wasn't the best thing to ever happen to that memorial. But it certainly was the worst. <laughs> that well, being said, why do you have outdoor speakers when you're across the street from it? Just keep it inside. <laughs> well, to quickly tie the Holocaust back to Ludacris, let's not re- forget the time when uh, Ludacris friend and, and co-song participant uh justin bieber famously went to the anne frank house and put like signed the guest book saying he thought anne frank would have been a believer if she was alive today so just wanted to tie that all back honestly i mean she probably would have been 
around that age, just saying he wasn't wrong, but it wasn't the right thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it was a real read the room moment, like that bar, read the room bar. And by the room, I mean outside. It was, it was, it was outside. They weren't in a room. You know what I mean? You want to hear a fact that's going to blow both of your minds? It blew my mind when I heard it. Anne Frank, Martin Luther King, and oh God, what's her name? Uh, she is the 2020, not Diane Sawyer. Um, she's like a newscaster. Are you talking about Barbara Walters? My, my wife just yelled Barbara Walters from upstairs. Yes. Yes. So uh, Anne Frank, Martin Luther King, and Barbara Walters were all born the same year. Does that seem insane? It's wild, but then you think about it, it makes sense. A, a similar fact that I've heard like that is that it's it's very likely, almost certain, that Kurt Cobain never used the internet because he, he died right before it would have become a, like a publicly accessible thing, it, a commonly publicly accessible thing. Honestly, don't blame him. The internet's a horrible thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was fun until like two years into YouTube and then everything really took a nosedive. Charlie bit my finger. I think that was the height of the internet. Charlie bit my finger? Probably a believer. Yeah. <laughs> and now probably a cokehead, too. We don't yeah. know. We'll find out. We'll follow up. That'll be another Bruticus Investigates. What's up with Charlie bit my finger? There's one thing we haven't touched on, which, Sarah, is your uh, relationship to beer. How do you feel about beer? Man, I love it. <laughs> no, it's funny. To, just to tie it into German things. It's funny because, my, you know, my last name is very German and it's a common German last name, but I was coming through, uh, I think it was my last time I was in Germany. I went for Thanksgiving last year. I got asked at the border. He's like, oh, you're, you're American, but you're, you have a very German last name. Tell me something in German. And the first thing that I can think of is, ich liebe das Bier. And he goes, okay, which is just, I really love beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only thing I can think of. And he just goes, okay, American, and just like sends me through. But I freaking love beer. I love German beers. I love Oktoberfest beers. Dunkles are my favorite genre, I would say. Like I can drink them year round um, because they're still light, even though they're like darker, you know, they're obviously a dark beer, but they still taste very light. And I love the Oktoberfest style of German beers just because again even though like they're meant to be drunk drank in the fall the, I can drink them year-round I think they're delicious we'll talk I mean we're gonna be talking about it later but I'm a sucker for a Meritzen. it's they're so good I'm always happy when they roll around in the fall this is normally the part where we would talk about our beers of the week but because this is a very special Tubercris Oktoberfest we're gonna review a whole bunch of Oktoberfest beers So we're going to actually wait to do that until the main part of the episode, which we will talk about later. And instead, we are going to jump right ahead to number one spot. So number one spot, how does it work? What is number one spot? I don't know what it is in German, but uh, it would probably be something like number ein spot. Yeah. There we go. It's our number nine spot of the week. And uh, what we're going to do is we are going to just pick a thing that we were really into this week. Maybe the thing that if you were to rank the things you you had this week, it would be number one. It would be number one on that spot, on that list of things from this week. That is how it works. I get it. It makes sense to me. Couldn't be any clearer. It's honestly one of the best ways we've ever explained it. So Mike, with all of that under our belt, or would you like to tell us about your number one spot? I, I struggled a bit this week with the number one spot. Um, 
So I'm just going to go with those progressive insurance commercials where the people start acting like their parents. I, I just really love those commercials. Uh, I think they are very well written. I think they, they kind of land on a, you know, a, a concept that I think is, is kind of unique. I think it's funny. They're, they're really quick hit. Like that's what you need to be for a funny commercial. Um, you know, all insurance companies are evil and I don't ever want to like promote them. And I had to look it up that it was progressive. I was like, those commercials are funny. What's the insurance company. So that, that shows you maybe it's not a good ad, but it's a funny commercial. And that's my number one spot of the week. Mike, I gotta be honest. I don't think I've seen these commercials. Sarah, do you know what he's talking about? I know exactly what he's talking about. Okay. I actually know someone in one of the commercials. <laughs> Wow. Which one? Which Insider one? info. The parents one. I know him. I know a person. There's been some um, like progression of those too. And at first there's kind of more of these like testimonials. And now the newest sort of version of it is it's, it's a almost like an advertisement for a therapist who helps people that are acting like their parents and like talking them down from it. And so there's one where, you know, they go to like a Home Depot store and, and the one guy is just trying to talk to some stranger about, if you need a grout brush, this is the brush you need. And, yeah. and uh, he like, did, did he ask for your help? It's funny. And I'm laughing. And again, insurance companies are evil, but God, it's a funny, funny set of commercials. I agree. I, I like them too, because they're not the other ones with their other set of commercials with like flow and all those other progressive folks who like really get under my skin um, from a personality perspective. Sure. I I'm always like appreciative of those commercials because I think they're, I'm definitely turning into my mom every day. Just going to say it. Jack, you got to look these suckers up. They're going to make you, they're going to make you bust up. I'll have to check it out. Weirdly enough, I'm also turning into Sarah's mom every day. It's just one of those weird phenomenon. I don't know why, but that's what's happening. It's a yeah. kind of a, it's kind of like a freaky Friday, but it's happening over like a whole year. It's like a freaky year. Yeah. I, ha I have not seen these commercials. I'm gonna have to look them up, but I'm excited. Uh, Out of sketch shows to watch. So this is the closest thing we can get to it. It essentially is. Uh, and I forget who is there's in an earlier one. Um, oh God, what's the guy's name? There's a guy who's been on Comedy Bang Bang a few times. He plays Ghost Boy. Do you know who that is? He's he's, he's on- um, Alan McLeod? Yeah, he's in one of them too. Nice. He's great. Was the lady with the pink hair, like the animated lady with the pink hair, were those progressive commercials? Do you remember that? It was like a pink haired secret agent. They were. It was Aaron. Oh wait, no, that was Esurance. Um, okay. My dad always said he had like totally had the hots for her, and yeah, it was Aaron Esurance. That's well. <laughs> that's why I brought it up because I thought maybe they were the with these commercials they were adding to the roster of flow and then the pink haired lady, which I heard that they stopped doing because when you would search like what I guess Esurance woman or whatever it was, more porn came up than their actual website because people are so attracted to this cartoon, which is why <laughs> they killed that campaign. At least that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true, but I heard that's true. Gross. Yeah, but I just thought maybe they were trying to catch up to uh, Geico's one million characters that they have at this point. It's unbelievable. It's I, just crying. I'll, I'll even give a little bit of a shout out to the Flow commercials. I think they've gotten better. I think the Jamie character has lightened things up a bit. I'm going to give Jamie some credit. I'm going to give the, the other woman who is kind of like, she's like, I'm so over it. Like, they've expanded the roster. It's not just Flow anymore. And so I'll give those a, a bump too. So good on you, Progressive. It's like a, any 90s sitcom when the original kids start to age out and then they have to add in like the twins in Full House or the there's always a baby that gets added for no reason and oftentimes it doesn't make any sense biologically. 
Well, on the Hollywood Handbook, which is a podcast I talk about on here a lot, probably more than I should, but uh, they made a reference to it once that they're, all, the, all the other characters are trying to like replace flow, and it's the game of flones. That's Ooh. great. I like that a lot. Never going to top that. You can't top that. But we're going to try. We're going to try and top your number one spot. Sarah, do you have a number one spot for the week? I do. I've been watching old shows. And by that, I mean, uh, I've been watching old Grateful Dead performances on YouTube. Um, one of them, bringing it back to Germany, Berlin, 1990, one of Jerry Garcia's last shows. Very good. Um, yeah, I've been watching a lot of those, uh, re-watching old Simon and Garfunkel concerts. Um, and also, most recently, aka today, I had a basketball game. It was the 1971 championship game between the Baltimore Bullets, which are not a team, uh, and the Milwaukee Bucks with... My boy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they won. It was awesome. But yeah, did, number one spot, old shows. Did that Baltimore Bullets team eventually become the Washington Wizards? I think I so. I assume that they then became the, the, the Washington, D.C. Bullets and then the Bullets to the Wizards? Yes. Yeah. That's gotcha. True. Because Bullets are bad. Yeah. I still can't believe that the Houston Astros used to be the Houston Colt 45s. Yeah. They were literally like a brand of gun. And their logo, honestly, the logo, I will say... I'm not endorsing guns at all, but the logo was very clever. It was a revolver with smoke coming out of the barrel, and then the smoke formed the C for Colt 45. It was a pretty good logo. I'm Questionable gonna, choice of team name. It checks for them, though, that that was their... <laughs> that that was yeah, their it was Texas really doubling down on Texas on that one. But no one yeah. can still explain to me why we're still okay with the Golden State Warriors, which stands for GSW, which is clearly an acronym for gunshot wound. It's all the NRA. They've got their fingers in a lot of pies, and all those pies are guns. I think the Illuminati has a part in that, too, somehow. I think it all started with Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, Golden State, Gold Standards, removing the Gold Standard, FDR, Mm -hmm. VCR, Betamax, Beta Males. It's all connected, man. Great circle of guns. The great circle of guns. (laughs) I think it's Charlton Heston's biography. That sounds about right. Rest in power. Rest in power to to Heston. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say Heston power. That actually is probably the title of his biography. (laughs) It's something power. It's blank power for sure. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh boy, this might be the episode that finally gets us canceled. We're really toeing the line. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see if you can uh, take take us over the line with your number one spot, Jack. Well, what do you got going on this week? I don't know if my number one spot will get us canceled, but I, I, it did get canceled eventually. Uh, I'm going with uh, something that I went back and I was I, I was bored the other night. And I didn't want to watch anything like too serious, and I've burned my way through all the kind of like lighthearted comedies. So now everything on my to watch list is like a heavy comedy, and sometimes you don't want that. So I went back and watched one of my favorite shows of all time, and one that I think is underrated in the annals of comedy history, which is The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Really? Loved that show. I still think it's like it's like one of my favorite shows ever. It was super weird, and it was a show that rewarded repeat viewing, which makes no sense for a late night show. But the amount of like running jokes and in-jokes that made no sense if you hadn't watched like the previous month of shows... It, it, it was very fun and very rewarding, particularly the back half of the show. Once Jeff Peterson starts talking, his talking robot skeleton, it gets very good. So I still go back and I'll watch like the openings. I'll skip the guests unless it's, you know, a kind of like staple guest for the show. But I'll watch the rest of it. I watched two episodes last night. 
I don't think I've watched a second of the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. No, nope. I think he would like it. It's so weird, uh, and it actually fits perfectly for this episode because he had a lot of Crawford jokes in the show. Like there was a running thing, which was like uh, Christmas with Kraftwerk. And it was just Craig and the guy who, uh, Josh Robert Thompson, I think his name is, who was the guy who voiced Jeff Peterson. And they were dressed up as Ralph and Florian from Kraftwerk. And then they were just like these dumb little, like two or three line sketches. They just peppered throughout the month of December. It was pretty goddamn funny. Like when did he sing in the carpool? Yeah, that's the, that's why his show got canceled. Cause there wasn't, there, they, they opted not to have celebrities play fun games or do carpools. And instead they would have, they had a robot skeleton with a Price is Right name tag on as his sidekick. And then they had uh, two interns in a horse costume in a stable built into the floor of the show. It was bizarre. It was so good. It, it honestly, I think, was weirder than Conan at his weirdest. It was crazy. And so the mug I'm drinking from was the Craig Ferguson snake mug that he used to drink from. Did you get that mug when you won the karaoke in the carpool? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. This is the only late late show I know. Is 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 the there's the karaoke in the in the car no, with the guys like, with the Jonas with the Jonas Brothers. Oh, uh, those Joe Bros. No, it was it was it was a very good show. I, I maintain that it was much funnier than it got credit for because, in a nutshell, well, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is there they started doing this weird gag where. Craig had a bell on his desk and originally it was like he would ring the bell once and like there was a prop phone. All I know is slowly they built and built more and more things until there were like eight different things that happened based on the number of times Craig rang the bell. It was bizarre. It normally involved him calling room service and then them speaking like Dracula and German and Italian Bill Clinton. It was crazy. The show was bananas, but it's worth watching. Someone has taken the time to upload a ton of old episodes to YouTube. Honestly, I think I would be more, I would have been more interested in it, but is he, I only thing I knew him from was as like the wacky boss from the Drew Carey show. And I like, I'm like, why is this guy hosting a late night show? It just didn't click for me. I just couldn't like, couldn't get on board, but I, I'm going to take your recommendation and I'm going to check it out. So I missed that show and a lot of craft references. So it works out nicely. I think that's maybe a good segue. Why don't we actually take a break? We're going to go into the void. There's going to be a little bit of music that's going to get played. But for us, we're going to go into a dead silent void for just a couple hours. We'll come back. We'll be refreshed. And then we're going to talk about our beers of the week, I guess, our multiple beers of the week, our main focus of the week. And that is going to be Oktoberfest beers. Perfect. Actually, Mike, once we're done with the, if you could just let us know when to come back from the silence by blowing into the enormous ram's horn you brought back from the void. Because uh, yep. that's basically a tuba, and that would be great. Done deal. All great. right. Thank see you. See you guys on the other side. Bye. Well, that ram's horn tuba sound means that we are back from our silent break, and we are here for Oktoberfest. And you might be wondering, what does Oktoberfest have to do with the ludicrous part of Brudicris? Yeah, what? Yeah, how does it, Jack? It doesn't at all. But ludicrous is related to Germany in a very tangential way, which is to say the aforementioned pimping all over the world. One of the lyrics is, see me on the Autobahn, swerving, driving. The Autobahn, of course, being the German interstate system. So we took it upon ourselves to review the nearly 23-minute Kraftwerk song, Autobahn, from the album of the same name. 
So we're going to review that, and we're going to review some Oktoberfest beers, because that's what Ludacris would want us to do. What about this? Sirach Obauman. <gasps> is, that, is that it? That's at least a rap name. Yeah. All right. That's pretty it. good. <laughs> Get some business cards printed up. So I think the way that we'll approach this is let's talk about Autobahn first, and then from there we can move on to some Oktoberfests while we drink them as we talk. And let's go ahead and play that whole thing, the whole 22-minute song right now. Go. Uh, first thing I want to say about it is there is a part in the very beginning that sounds so much like the baseline to Hall and Oates' You Make My Dreams Come True that every time, because it, it comes up a couple times, and every time I hear it, I was like, Hall and Oates, but it's not. It's crazy German electric music. I was expecting Joseph Gordon-Levitt to come out dancing about his date with with Zoe Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. Is that, that in that movie? Yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah, the weirdest part is when they go to Ikea and then Bruce Willis kills Joseph Gordon-Levitt. What? Yeah, he's got to close his loop in reverse. It's it's the prequel to Looper. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. A little bit of background on the song. It is widely considered like a seminal piece of electronic music and this album in particular is like widely regarded as one of the most important early electronic music albums in terms of Kraftwerk's kind of overall output this is the first big album all their other stuff was more like kind of weird experimental electronic rock and then this is when Kraftwerk starts to sound like Kraftwerk this is their Uh, mainstream song Honestly, the crazy part is there is a there's a three and a half minute radio edit that is their highest charting song in the U.S. ever. There is one exception to that. Coldplay, I, I should say Chris Martin specifically wrote Kraftwerk and asked if they could use the essentially the melody to Computer Love for their song Talk, which technically I think would make it the highest charting Kraftwerk written song, just not performed by them. Yeah, here we go. So that song then became. Okay. Yeah. Uh, most in- interesting thing about that is Kraftwerk is a, like notoriously hard to get in contact with. Like there's a supposedly the only way that you could call them. Have you got, Sarah, do you know the story? No, but I can see this being a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're like, they're famously enigmatic. There are the one time Ralph Huter gave an interview to the BBC he sent a robot version of himself instead and then mm. talked through the robot. <laughs> they're so weird, but they're they're very good in Have a weird way. Have you seen those, um, the old sketches with Mike Myers where he's Dieter, um, and it's like uh, Sprockets. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. It, this, like, this is the music I envision like him listening to, like that character, and like I can see him being very hard to get a hold of. Yeah. One million percent. Supposedly, the only way you could call them was they didn't have an answering machine, and th- their justification was that they didn't want the sound of the phone ring to interrupt their creative process. So the only way you could get a hold of them was to call them at a, a specified time, and Rolf would pick up the phone without it ringing. He would just pick it up. There would be no ringer. He would pick it up once a day, and that was how you'd have to contact them. I don't know if anyone successfully contacted them that way, but that is supposedly how it happened. That sounds like the babysitter's club. They just sit around the phone and they wait. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I mean, they really were blazing a trail here. But no, Kraftwerk is like important in music. And I actually do think that a lot of their stuff is good. Computer World in general is a very good album, but I find this song and this album in particular to be their least accessible of their big albums and one that's like more important than it is good, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. My only knowledge of this band, honestly though, is that Simpsons episode where um, Grandpa and Bart like rescue the stolen Nazi art and like the great grandson of like the Nazis gets it back from the State Department and he's just like a German asshole uh, and he needs to get back to Dan Centrum and Stuttgart in time to see Kraftwerk. And that's like the end of the episode. And that's my, that's about as much as I know about Kraftwerk. Mike, there may be one other thing you know, and an, an important uh, part of hip hop history, uh, Kraftwerk was the main sample for Africa Bambata's Planet Rock. So, I mean, it's a pretty much a direct sample too. So I'll play it for you really quick. It's on the lead song off Trans Europe Express. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which then became Which then became Commons. So like, that's just like one very quick example of the broad influence of Kraftwerk. I've seen a lot of articles crediting them with being like in the, just behind like the Beatles, Michael Jackson and the Rolling Stones in terms of influence on modern American sound. Because they basically, they were so heavily sampled by early hip hop and also formulated the basic structure for 80s music and pop music. So kind of a big deal. I'm. A, a novice, but I'm excited to learn more about them, and I'm going to spend my whole summer vacation learning about Kraftwerk. You should. I mean, honestly, you know who would know a lot about it is our, our robot, because yeah. they pretty much sang exclusively about robots. Robot, how do you feel about Kraftwerk? I fucking love Kraftwerk. That's some music I could really get my nuts and bolts greased and tightened to. Well, he didn't have to put it in such terms. Jeez, he's so crass these days. <laughs> I mean, I guess he was made in Germany, so I guess that makes sense. Well, the, the robot parts of him. I don't know where he got the flesh. We still haven't figured that out. And the five lungs. Or really good Wi-Fi internet. He's on that Wi-Fi flex. Yeah. I respect it. I'm getting a signal from here. I'm not even there. Oh, yeah, I'm tethered. To, I've tethered my phone through him. I haven't paid for phone bills in years. <laughs> That's not even how that works. Nope. But anyway, so that was, uh, that was Kraftwerk. Anyone else have anything we want to say about... Autobahn. Sarah, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I love it. I'm into it. I've driven on the Autobahn, and I can picture that. That If I had a sound to capture how I felt driving on the Autobahn, that would be it. It's a little, honestly, driving on the Autobahn is a little stressful. And by a little, I mean a lot. Everybody drives very fast. Like, I'm from Detroit area. The Motor City. Yeah, everyone drives super fast. Everyone drives very, very fast. Um, like the minute you cross over, I don't know if you've ever noticed this going to Michigan, but the minute you cross over the border, people just start driving around like 85. And that's like a normal, that's like the median speed. They got the Tim Allen hookup. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tim Allen actually, um, yeah, Tim It's Allen. all about the zoom zoom. He was arrested in the Burger King that was right by my college for cocaine possession. RIP that Burger King, it is no longer there. 
All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's shift focus from craft verk to craft beer. Yeah, like we're shifting oh. gears from the autobahn from uh, fourth gear down to first gear because we shouldn't, and then to park because we don't shouldn't drink and drive. Yes, be responsible, folks. This show's all about responsibility. It's honestly the show's about two things and two things only: craft work and responsibility. We're really leaning into the German thing. So yeah, we we all have uh, a variety of German beers, and because it's Oktoberfest, I think all but one of our beers is a Mertzen, which is the normal style for Oktoberfest. Now, technically, Sarah, you have some like actual German ones. Mike, you might have one I too. I do too. I have a couple, yeah. But there's only like six companies allowed to officially produce Oktoberfest beers because of the, part of my pronunciation, Reinheitsgebot, which is like the German beer purity law. So there's only like six breweries that can actually do it for Oktoberfest. We're bending the rules a bit because we're in America. America. Um, so I figured we would just kind of go through and maybe take turns uh, talking about some of these beers we have. We'll rate them on a scale. From Wiener to Schnitzel. Wiener being a one. Okay. No, Wiener, oh, being okay. the, Wiener being a one and Schnitzel, schnitzel being, being a two. A... So it's a scale of one to two. Okay. All right. Okay. And no decimal points, no fractions. Oh, it's just simple up down. Yeah, no, no, it's not up down. It's one and two. It's simple Wiener Schnitzel. It's It's like the rating system on German Netflix. It's just a Wiener or Schnitzel, and that's how they figure out what you like. That's the rules. That's Tubacris. Them's the rules on Tubacris. Well, does anyone want to go first? I can go. Sarah, would you like to go first? I would love to because I want to start off with I have um, the Hofbrau House Oktoberfest beer. I I wanted to bring I wanted to go first because I'm drinking it out of my Hofbrau House mug Stein, if you will, from Ooh. Munich um, that I actually low key stole from the Hofbrau House. Sarah. Yeah, I know. They're so dang expensive, though. I'm yeah. just saying. That's a pretty big stein to steal, though. Like, you you can't just like sneak that into like a pants pocket. How would you get that out? Tell us about so the heist. Kind of, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, heist. That was a thing because it was a collaboration, uh, for sure. I went there the last time I went there. I went with my two cousins who are from Slovenia. I think I mentioned it earlier. I went for Thanksgiving last year. Um, I did not want to be in America, so I went to Germany. Yeah, so it had been November, just after Oktoberfest. Everybody was still celebrating. And uh, my cousins, uh, I knew we were related because they, it was one of the first things we talked about is how we all love stealing things from bars. So my cousin, after this discussion, we're like walking out of the Hofbrau house, and he was like, I have a surprise for you. And um, cause he had been, he's like, just walk in front of me. And I was like, okay. And then we walk out and he pulls a Hofbrau House Stein out of his jacket. And he was like, happy Thanksgiving. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. We don't give gifts on this holiday, but appreciate it. Um, we give the gift of carbs. Yes, the gift of carbs and colonialism. And actually That's... my birthday is sometimes on Thanksgiving. So I actually do get gifts sometimes. Ooh. Yeah. Sarah, I just want to point out that you're a much more trusting person than I am. That you're that someone's like, I have a surprise for you. And they're like, just go ahead and walk in front of me. I would assume I'm not even in the mob. I would assume I was good. It was a hit. <laughs> I would assume I was being iced. I mean, you know, I have only met my cousins like a couple of times, but at the same time, 
Him. Just walk him. into that room with all the plastic all over the walls. We were painting <laughs> yesterday, that's all. Tonight's uh, the night. <laughs> yep. Rolled up in some tarp. Oh yeah. Roll roll tarp? Roll tarp. There you go, to borrow your own phrase. Well, not your okay. phrase, but Alabama's phrase. It's mine. No, it's mine. You, Alabama so, stole it from me. It's uh it's a thing. Yeah, you said roll tide a couple times, and I I need to ask, did you go to Alabama? Did you live there as part of your many places you seemingly have lived? I did, yeah. Oh, another tie to Ludacris. I lived in Atlanta at one point. Oh, cool. But I lived in Alabama for two years. I got my master's degree there in history. I left football. That was a good place for me to go. I was was actually an Alabama fan before I went because Forrest Gump went to Alabama. Saw that movie in sixth grade and became a low-key fan. I don't know, I, I'd say one of my crowning moments as a teaching assistant for the University of Alabama was informing all of my students my last semester of teaching there of the of one of the buildings uh, was named after a notorious slaveholder. And I convinced a bunch of my students to start a petition to get it renamed and now it's getting renamed. Hey! Yeah. That's great. Good for you. Very nice. I mean, it wasn't just me. Like it can. It was like they started it, they continued it, but I like to think I nudged them. Well, good for everybody, but good on you for starting, taking the first step to rename the building. Hey. Well, why don't uh, we turn our attention to, to the first beer? So, uh, what's the first one you're drinking? Um, yeah. So the Hofbrau House Oktoberfest beer. It um, is made at the Hofbrau House. If you've ever been, you can walk through and, you know, see where they're brewing everything. It's pretty great. Among the tuba players that are hanging out, just casually, in the beer hall. The one time I was in Germany, I was in Berlin. So not anywhere near any authentic Oktoberfest activities. Very different part of Germany. But I was staying in Alexanderplatz, and immediately next to the hotel I was in was a Hofbrauhaus. So Mm -hmm. I went there literally every night, and uh, there's always an an oompa band. I don't know what they're called in German, but that's what I would call them, an oompa band, and uh, a lot of beer. Great way to end a day. Yeah. Okay, low-key fact. I kind of hate to admit this, but my favorite place in Berlin is in Alexanderplatz, and it's actually an Irish pub um, called Kilkenny's. I had one of the best nights of my life there. I'm just saying. So great. Yeah, so the, the Hopper House, for, for anyone who is listening who does not know the history of it, it is the famous beer hall um, where there's greater history to it. You know, it's it's been a part of like Oktoberfest and in Munich is like the, the hub for Oktoberfest, if you will, Bavaria, broadly speaking, but Munich. But it is, it is the place where Hitler spoke to people and corralled his followers and grew the Nazi party, unfortunately. Hence the um, beer hall and beer hall putched. Yep. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, it. I think it's, it's an important place in history for that. And it's important that we remember that that did happen there. And, you know, things like that can happen anywhere. Um, the dangers and, of populist appeal. Yep. You know, you know, like uh, like here, just throwing that out there. But you know, roll tide. Um, but yeah, the Hofbrau House. There's just such a greater history to it for their beer and for just like rich Bavarian German culture. It's a wonderful place, and I love this beer. It's very good. So is that a Wiener? So are we gonna mark this as a Wiener, or is this, is this all the way up to a Schnitzel? It's a Schnitzel. Wow. Okay, we got our first Schnitzel on the board. 
Mike, you want to mark that on the, the board? Yep. <laughs> Got that marked. Great, thank you. I like that, like, it was so loud, your mic partially dropped out to accommodate for the change in volume. <laughs> Actually, appropriately enough, I do believe Munich won the Champions League yesterday. I'm pretty sure over uh, Paris Saint-Germain. I could be wrong. I don't really follow soccer, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Oh, there? Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Very appropriate and very seasonal for this very seasonal event. Mike, do you want to tell us about the next of our beers? Sure. I, I'm gonna, I have a couple from Germany, but I'm going to go with uh, an, an American one first. That um, It is Munsterfest from Three Floyds, uh, presumably named after the Munsters, I'm guessing, and nothing you can tell me otherwise would convince me otherwise. It's true. Grandpa Munster used to brew beer under the stairs next to Spock. I will say I was kind of surprised with how little kind of maltiness and how how not sweet this is. I feel like that's something I kind of come for for an Oktoberfest or a Merzen. I was saying Marzen earlier, but Merzen. 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 Uh, I usually kind of come for like a little bit of a sweetness and a little bit of sort of a you know, just a more maltiness to, to it. And this is pretty down the middle. It's, you know, it's Three Floyds is kind of, they have a lot of hoppier beers, I guess you can say. And maybe this has a little bit of a hoppiness to it, which you don't also get from a lot of, you know. Kind of like a, like a, North American or like an Australian hop character versus like a German hop character. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. So it's it's good as a lager. It just isn't good as like an Oktoberfest, I'm gonna say. So I'm actually going to mark this as, I'm sad to say, this is a Wiener. Wow, first Wiener on the board. Yeesh. So So we're one to one, Wieners to Schnitzel at the moment. Yeah, not bad, but just as an Oktoberfest, I don't know, just a little bit less than what I was looking for. How about you, Jack? What's the first one you want to show us? I went with all local Chicagoland area beers. Uh, So they're all Chicagoland Mertzens from different breweries. The first one is from Scorched Earth Brewing, which is in Algonquin, so barely in the Chicagoland area, but I guess technically. And it is just called Oktoberfest. It has a nice little uh, pretzel on the can made out of a beer and some sausages and a Bavarian hat and an eagle and what looks like an accordion. Uh, so it's a bunch of German things that make a little pretzel. It's got the kind of like Bavarian diamond pattern. It's a good beer. Uh, I would. This is This is a firm schnitzel for me this it, it tastes like what i want a, a an oktoberfest beer to taste like it's got a lot of malt a mild but not aggressive sweetness but just a, a hint the hop balance versus the malt is is very nice i have nothing bad to say about this beer i think it's a a pretty perfect version of it this is a hard schnitzel for me hard schnitz which is not how i want my schnitzel but it, it, this is a hard schnitzel so it's not a hard bean is it, so just to make sure <laughs> well it's not careful hard careful it's a hard schnitzel. <laughs> yes, correct. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> we're 14. What can I say? Yeah. What, what are we going to do? By the way, I'm so nervous to go back to school. I know. Because of, of the virus. And also because of swirlies. Oh, yeah, right. But also the yep. virus. Swirlies. Those are still a thing post-1995 sitcoms. I would think Definitely swir- more afraid of the swirlies. Well, because they, well, they spread the virus. Oh, yeah. Sarah... You want to tell us about your next beer? Sure. So this one, this next one is American, and um, it is from Odell Brewing Company in Colorado. Fort Collins, I believe. Yes, Fort Collins. Um, Yeah, it's just their Oktoberfest, Merzenstar Lagel. Lagel? 
lager. Oh my god. Um, it's a it's a <laughs> lager bagel. A lager. Lager. It's a bagel that has lager in it. Um, Honestly, that'd be good. Yeah, actually, I would I would totally eat that. Uh, go um, to Shark Tank. Patent it now. Patent it now. Oh yes. Talking to Mark Cuban tomorrow. Um, no, I you know I'm gonna give this one. I don't know because like now I've set the bar so high, like the Hofbrauhaus House one being my my schnitzel. This one isn't quite a schnitzel. Whoa. Like I think anything, mm. yeah. It's it's a Wiener. I'm gonna go with Wiener, a soft Wiener. Okay. Um, yeah. That's uh, somehow that's not the worst. <laughs> uh, we yeah. should have rethought this scale, but somehow that's not the worst. Okay. We could have done Dirndl and Lederhosen, but it's fine. Um, no, I think uh, I'm gonna give this one a soft Vayner, Vayner. Um, and uh, I tried to soften the Vayner with the Vayner uh, there, in case you were wondering. No, I, I, I do like it. Like, I want to be clear. Um, I mean, kind of to your point about the sweetness, like, it definitely hit, has, like, those sweet notes, but I like kind of a darker, a deeper feel. And this, to me, is a little light for an Oktoberfest. Um, so it has, yeah. like, the sweetness, but it's just, like, well, it's there's not enough there for me. I don't think. So we got soft Fiener. So right now we're still two to we're two to two Fiener to Schnitzel. It's a it's a tight race today. Mike, you wanna you wanna tell us about number two? Yeah, I'm gonna go with my first of my German beers I got today, which I, I stopped at uh, the Beer Temple in Abendale, which is an excellent beer bar slash bottle shop, um, and they have some good imports there. And so I'm shortly gonna pronounce this incorrectly, but this is. Anger, Anger, it's A-Y-I-N-G-E-R, and it says underneath that, it's private brewery, I'm sure, private brewery, I don't know, but it's, they don't have a, a fancy name, it's just their Oktoberfest Märzen, uh, and it does note on here, Jack, that this is brewed according to the Rhein Heitzkin boots, I, I know you can say that better than I can, but the, the German beer purity law, it is brewed according to those standards, apparently, so. And I took a sip earlier. I'm gonna take another one right now, so you guys can watch. If you if you want to watch, it's up to you. Oh, I'm watching, baby. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what I come for. I feel like for a, a Oktoberfest or for a Meritzen, I think this is that sweetness. This is it's still super smooth. I think that's the other good thing. You know, there's a couple breweries we talked about in Chicago that have a lot of uh, either like kind of German or Belgian styles, and I feel like sometimes those are not very smooth per se, but I feel like a good Oktoberfest, you know, it just, it just is like, it reminds me of like drinking like a, like a, like a really good like whiskey almost. Like it, it just like goes down smooth. And when you have like a bad whiskey, it burns. Like it, I feel like th- this is something that is is just kind of very easygoing, but still got that sweetness, but not overpowering. Uh, Jack, I, I'm curious to know, is your next beer, is it gonna be a Wiener or are we get another schnitzel on the board? You know, I'm really on the fence about this one right now. Uh, the next one is the Itasca Fest from Church Street Brewing, and that is up in the Chicago Burbs. Which Chicago Burb? I think Itasca. I'm pretty sure. Oh, duh! Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Happy Oktoberfest, baby! Uh, yeah, it's an Itasca. <laughs> a few more of those, and you're gonna be like, I don't even know what city I'm in. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, is it Berlin? I don't know. <laughs> It's uh, so Church Street. I do think uh, they do interesting stuff, but I, they're kind of in the realm of Great Central Brewing. That they do a lot of contract brewing for other places. They're contract brewing for Foreign Exchange right now, which is kind of a new beer label that 
I have yet to have a bad thing from it. Maybe a future number one spot or just a future beer of the week. Everything they've done so far is really good. And Church Street brews all those for them. This is the the Church Street label proper, uh, Itasca Fest. And it is good, not great. Hmm. Uh, I think if I had consumed them in the reverse order, the, Octo- the Scorched Earth Oktoberfest and then the Itasca Fest was the order I drank them. If I did it the other way around, I think I'd like it more. But coming off the Scorched Earth, I just, it, it feels like an inferior version. The malt flavor isn't quite as complex. The sweetness is similar, but the mouthfeel just isn't quite as good. It feels like almost like a light beer version of the uh, Scorched Earth. So I think, all things being the same, this is going to get a, uh, between a soft Wiener or a soft schnitzel. I think I'm going to give it a soft schnitzel because I think if you were just having one, you'd be very satisfied with it. I'm giving it a soft schnitzel. Okay. Sarah, beer number three. Beer number dry. Yeah, so I am doing the Polliner um, Oktoberfest, which I, this is actually, I wanted to save my first sip for my little spiel because I've had everything that Polliner has made. They're probably my favorite brewery. Um, and they're in Munich, based in Munich, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure they were started by monks, as were many breweries in Europe. Um, Their logo is a monk, still, I think, to this day. Yes, it is. Yeah, so uh, I also, fun fact, I stole not one but two glasses from the Polliner in Munich uh, the last time I was there, also. Sarah. But, um, I, you know, it's <sighs> toot I'm very sorry, and I shall do it again. But um, we're going to take our first sip of this polymer. It's going to be great. Tuba roll? It's like a drum roll with tubas. <laughs> Tuba. Oh, hell yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm going uh, to give this a hard schnitzel. Whoa. It's got a full hard schnitzel. Hard schnitzel, yeah. If there was a step above hard schnitzel... Maybe like Spitzel? Yeah, unfortunately not. Ooh. Unfortunately, uh, the two <laughs> options are Wiener and Schnitzel. So I am afraid we cannot. Schnitzel yeah. is, you should be proud of it. That, that beer should be proud of the Schnitzel. It's the highest it could be. You know what? Yeah, I agree. And uh, I I like it better than the Hofbrau House. I do. Wow. Um, and I've had the Hofbrau House before. I, I love, you know, I love their Oktoberfest. But this is a really solid Oktoberfest. I think it hits everything that we we've talked about that we like in an Oktoberfest that we look for in Oktoberfest. It's it's sweet, but it's deep, but also light. It's perfect. We were talking off mic, and I think it's, uh, of all the German Oktoberfests I've had, or German Meritsons I've had, I think it's my favorite. It's just a good beer. Yeah, I see why. It's very good. Yeah. And we should also note that uh, Paul Lenner Giamatti will also be on the show at some point, his German cousin. Because we, we had Paul Giamatti on very briefly, but then he was out in the cold and froze and had to go to the hospital, and he's still recovering. But his German cousin, Paul Energy Amati, is also going to be on the show at some point. We're working on that. Seems like more of a get. It's more of a time zone thing. Like, it seems like it'd be easier to get him. We're working on it. So we'll keep oh, you posted on that as well. He's just always sleeping when I'm awake, and I'm always awake when he's sleeping. It's a real Rip Van Winkle scenario. That's not how that story goes. Nope. Anyway. There's no time zones involved at all. <laughs> no, I think it's specifically one town. Yeah. Sleeping uh, Beauty, perhaps? Paul Giamatti is a very good-looking man. Paul Giamatti would make a wonderful Sleeping Beauty. I would watch that movie. Paul Giamatti as Sleeping Beauty. Please, please. Directed by I'm Not Shyamalan. The twist is it's Paul Giamatti. 
God, he's he's in the movie Sideways. That seems like a a sideways version of that fairy tale, if you ask me. Yeah, he's not drinking any fucking Merlot because he's drinking all these great Mertzens. There you go. Mike, what's your your next beer? I got one more only, so this is my last one. Uh, And it's a doozy. It is, again, no way in how I'm going to pronounce this, but this is from Germany. It is Eight Schlenkerla, and it's a Rausch beer, and it's their Mertzen. Um, and this beer tastes like a summer sausage. And it's like, I think that's sort of kind of like, it's a very smoky beer, but I've had like smoky beers before. This tastes like I'm a liquid sausage and it's weird and it's blowing my mind a little bit. I, I don't think I've ever had a beer that's been this like smoky and this gamey, you know, really for, for lack of a better term. And I don't hate it though, actually. Like I... I, I think it's going to be a struggle to like, it's just so like filling to like get through this, but it is such an interesting, unique flavor. It like kind of nails, if it's trying for that, it nails it. And it is very different from any sort of Oktoberfest. I think and, you know, I don't, to call it a Meritson seems kind of like, I don't, I don't know if that's really true or like if it, if it makes sense, uh, but I'm going to give it a schnitzel because it's, it's, it's kind of blowing my mind. So it is, it, it is officially a Meritzen. So it's basically that they smoked them all like they would um, for a smoked beer. But that other than that, it was basically like they took their recipe and then smoked them all too. Is that what you're getting from it? Because that's what I'm assuming. I guess. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't get like the sweetness of like a Meritzen. I don't get like, you know, the, like the maltiness. It's just this like smokiness is so overpowering. I'm not like getting any other flavors. So yes, I guess probably, like probably, but I, I you know, I don't know. Gotcha. That, I, that's a that's a flavor I normally get from, and I I can't pronounce German. I definitely can't pronounce Polish. There is a <laughs> Polish style that looks like it should be pronounced Gradziski, which is like the Polish version of a smoked beer. And Off Color does a very good version of it. Uh, oh yeah, called yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. Feet. Yeah, because that's okay. the the cool. minimum distance from a building you have to be to smoke in Chicago, and it's smoked beer. But uh, anything in that kind of Gradziski style to me also tastes very summer sausagey because it just has like that raw, almost like beefy smoke to it. Yeah. And I kind I kind of love it, but I feel like it's a very acquired taste. It, it's like, I mean, I, I say summer sausage. Honestly, it's like a pork chop. It's, it tastes like a grilled pork chop, which is like maybe even weirder. But I like pork chops, so I guess that works. I'm into it. Yeah, it's a weird one, but I'll, I'll give it a schnitzel for... If I would, if someone would describe me here, taste this beer that tastes like a grilled pork chop, I'd be like, no, I won't. <laughs> All over it. But I, I really like it. Jack, what about you? Uh, what do you got next? All right, this is beer number three of four for me. This is the Pollyanna Brewing in Lamont, Illinois, Fruhauf. Uh, it's they call it an Oktoberfest lager. It's clearly a Meritzen. I just don't think they officially say it, but like, I mean, it, it definitely is. I will say. It is so far my least favorite of the three. For me, this felt thin. Oh, interesting. It didn't, like the carbonation was almost like a soda, like not quite, but it was somewhere between like beer carbonation and soda carbonation. The mouthfeel was very thin, maybe not the sweetest of the bunch, but there was the least malt character. So it felt sweeter, if that makes sense. There was just nothing to like ground the sweetness. So it felt almost more like if you're going to make a Meritzen like LaCroix almost like not quite <laughs> I was say, is this, is this, a, is this an Oktoberfest hard seltzer? That's what I was kind of basically. It kind of, yeah, it was, it was, it was like an Oktoberfest truly. It was weird. If you're going to give it to me, I would still drink it, but 
given my choice between all the other ones, uh, I still have one to taste. But of the three that I've had so far, least favorite. This for me is it's a hard Wiener. Wow. Okay. Uh, I I was gonna ask you because I've invested in a soda stream recently, and I was gonna say it tastes like it sounds like it tastes like if you just put some flavor into a soda stream soda. It almost feels like if you had half of an Oktoberfest left, filled the rest with water, and then threw it in your soda stream. That's kind of what it tastes like. It's it's not my favorite. And they do only call it an Oktoberfest lager, so maybe it was meant to be more mild, and maybe it was meant to be like only like a partial Meritzen or something like that. But if you call that, I'm expecting mm-hmm. it to have that full flavor and just doesn't. It's not my favorite. You know, now that you, now that you say that, the one that I didn't, the one I gave a, um, a Wiener to, a soft Wiener, from Odell, that I, it was a Meritzen style lager. So yeah. I wonder if it's kind of a, a trend. Them hedging their bets or something like that? Yeah, they're like, we didn't quite get it there. So we're gonna say it's a style. Frequent guest and fre- frequent mentionee of the pod, Emma Warglet is also in the room as I'm recording this. And she did point out that on the actual kind of copy for the Fruhauf, it does say later, this uh, Meritzen style lager Yada yada yada. Later hose dirndl. Yada yada yada. Pretzels. Yada yada yada. So it says style, but I assume that if you're gonna say something style, that means that is it, unless you hedge your bets otherwise. So I'm still disappointed. It's like if I say I'm gothic style, but I only wear like you know a choker. At at worst, you're an emo kid, and even then, you're in the same like family. Exactly. Ballpark. Yeah. All right. Does anyone? Am I the only one left with a beer? No, I have. Uh, I actually have three more. <laughs> do you want to do any more? Or are you good? Because you absolutely do. Uh, why don't you do, do one more? more? Yeah, why don't you do one more, and then Jackie yeah. do one more, and I'll I'll sit back and just enjoy the ride, like I'm on the autobahn or something. Okay, cool. Yeah. So bells. Um, I got my graduate degree at Alabama. I went to Kalamazoo College for undergraduate, and Bell's Brewery is right down the street. So I spent a lot of time at this brewery. I remember liking their Oktoberfest but I haven't had it in a minute. So, prost. While she's drinking that, I'm going to think of a question that I'm going to ask when she's done. Okay. Did they call Kalamazoo College Cal-Cal? No, they call it K-College. Okay. Thank you for the answer. That seems somehow worse. It seems somehow, like it's not that close to the KKK, but it still seems too close. Yeah, yeah. It's only two Ks away. Yeah. No, Especially you know, you, depending on how you spell college. We all know how. Well, actually, yeah, that is also a thing. College with a K. That was a weird Asher Roth <laughs> album. <laughs> That's actually we all thing. forgot about him. We did. No, uh, they used to call it gay college, too, because it's the most liberal college in the state. I've also call, heard it called Socialist U, even though we're not a, so, like, a university. But they used to call it gay college because we had the highest population, gay population, I think, for a long time. Um, but it was just the most liberal school, even more than more so than like the University of Michigan. Um, I don't think that gay college was the right term to use to um, achieve that goal <laughs> of like conveying that. But yeah, that seems very of the era. Yeah. Seems like a real Asher Roth move, if you ask me. Is this the episode where you start our feud with Asher Roth? I'm not going to be on board with that. I, I like Asher Roth. He has a, uh, a new song that came out this year called Flowers on the Weekend. I'm going to say, listen to that and come back to me later. It's a good He's song. He's still making music? I had yeah. no idea. I had I no idea. idea. 
I really like this beer. Um, it tastes, you know what? I don't, I don't think I'm, I, I really like it. I want to be very clear about that, but it, it tastes, it definitely tastes like a Bell's version of an Oktoberfest. And I say that because Bell's does have a very distinct style. And I'm not saying it tastes like Oberon became an Oktoberfest or anything like that, but Oberon. there is like a very distinct Yeah, there's a breweries that have those tastes. Like you can tell a Three Floyds beer or you can tell a Half Acre beer kind of just on taste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. And I, I, I can taste the bells in this. Um, and it's, it's, it's just like not quite an Oktoberfest. So for rating Oktoberfest, I'm going to give it a Wiener. Okay. Uh, okay. I like it. I very much enjoy it. Yeah, Wiener doesn't necessarily mean you have to hate it, but it's just it's it just not, means it's, it's not just, a schnitzel. It's just not a schnitzel. Well, I'm out of beers. I'm I'm I've hit the hit the end of the road. I got my sausage beer and I'm done. So Jack, why don't we wrap it up with uh, you have one more beer to share with us? Weirdly enough, I think my opinion of this beer, which is the Waddle from Off Color Brewing, also from Chicago, very fun. It uh, appropriate for tuba, Chris. It has a little mouse playing a tuba. Hey. Right there on the can. And then it's got a bunch of penguins. Cause you know, when you think Germany and beer, you think penguins, but it is called the waddle. And then there's you a know, wall, there's a walrus playing an accordion. Oh, the Berlin zoo is excellent. I'm just saying. I saw it from above from the Reichstag or the Bundestag at this point. I think it's both technically one's the body and one's the building. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you can see it from up like it's, it's in the big park area. Right. And then like in the distance, you can see the zoo. Yeah, so I saw the zoo. I just didn't see any of the animals. I just saw the zoo, which is the worst way to see a zoo. Also, I saw the National Zoo, the American National Zoo. That's just because that zoo sucks. Fuck that zoo. I've got a big beef with the National Zoo that we can get into in a different episode, but worst zoo. Wow. I'm inclined to agree, and I've never been. It's a bullshit zoo. Hashtag zoo takes. Yeah, hot zoo takes. Anyway, the waddle, it's much like you were saying that the Bell's Oktoberfest tastes like a Bell's beer. The waddle to me tastes like an off-color beer. If I didn't know it was a Mertzen, I'm not sure I would get it immediately. To be fair, this is the warmest of all the beers because I've had these all out. So this one has warmed up a touch. I'm going to take another sip just to be sure. Yeah, it tastes to me almost like almost like a farmhouse Mertzen or something like that. Like, Interesting. I don't know if they did it on purpose, but there's just something about it that to me tastes a little wild in the beer sense, not in the figurative sense. Like there's something about it that just tastes a little different to me. It's not bad. It's just not probably what I want from an Oktoberfest, which is weird because I love off color. This is not my favorite beer that they've done to say the least. I would say this is, this is probably a soft Wiener for me. Yeah. Interesting. It's on the cusp of a soft Wiener or a soft schnitzel, but I think, I think it's a soft Wiener. Like and what, on the one hand, yeah, it's a it's a soft soft Wiener, borderline soft schnitzel for me, but at the end of the day, it's not one I would reach for. Honestly, the only one of these that I would I would get again probably when so many breweries do this style is the Scorched Earth Oktoberfest, which for me is pretty much like a quintessential version of American. And I'm honestly shocked that it is so good because to me it's like up there with like the Planner and stuff like that in terms of like really nailing the style from a brewery that I, I i don't know a whole lot about i've heard of them but other than that that's like pretty cool that they're they're your number one of, of your beers you had today yeah i would say i would say that that is my favorite because i think we're all going to go around and do favorites so i'll just do mine now my favorite is definitely the scorched earth just a quick rundown in terms of abv 
The Scorched Earth, it is a flat 6% ABV. The Waddle is the, the highest in ABV at a 6.5, which is surprising because it doesn't taste like it. The Fruhoff is a 5.4 ABV. And then the Itasca Fest is a 5.4 as well. They're all kind of in that uh, mid-5 to mid-6 range. Oktoberfest is going to be your best bang for the buck, too. 6% ABV, really solid, definitely my favorite. Well, I can go through and kind of give my favorites, give my ABVs. So I'm going to go with my favorite, even though, again, I don't think it's a good representation of a Oktoberfest or a Meritzen. I'm still going to go with that. Uh, I can't pronounce it right, but the eight the sausage beer. <laughs> I'm going to give it that as my favorite again, even though I don't think it's a good representation. I, I really don't, but it's a very interesting beer. Uh, I, I am just like shocked that it can be this like gamey of a beer. So I'll go with that. My favorite. That one comes in at 5.1%. Uh, my next favorite was the anger uh, from Germany as well. That one is a 5.8%. That's a more true representation of the style. And then kind of my, my least favorite was the Munster Fest, which again, wasn't bad. That's the three Floyds one. Uh, it wasn't bad. It just felt like, again, just doesn't feel like a true representation of the style. It felt like just a good kind of German lager more so than a Oktoberfest. And um, that one came in at 6%, so the highest ABV, although kind of surprisingly, has kind of the least amount of flavor. Sometimes I think a more flavorful beer will have more alcohol, though that's certainly not always true. And then, Sarah, what's your uh, what's your favorite out of all of them? You know, I'm going to go with the Paul Honor. It is my favorite. It's a, uh, it's just like, it, it's when, when I think of an Oktoberfest, even though I've never had this one before, you know, I've had all of their beers probably except this one. Um, it was, it's just so good. And it's, and when I think of an Oktoberfest is what I want to taste. I was about to say what I want in my mouth. And then I was like, roll tide. Um, but we've already, we've already dodged so much innuendo in this episode. I think you can get away with it. Cool. 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 No, but I think it's so good. And you know, maybe it's because they're my favorite brewery. I don't know, but I, I really enjoy the beer and it is a 5.8 APV. Yeah, it's middle of the road. It's not, you know, terrible or not, you know, not terrible, but you know what I mean? Like it's For not, the style. Yeah. Yeah, it's not high. Um, my second, again, is the other German one, which is an ABV of uh, 6.3 is the Hopro. And again, you know, those are German. They're, they're German. So I guess it makes sense. Um, I think the beer that came closest to those two would be the Odell Brewing Company. That ABV is somewhere on here. Oh, I see. It's a 6.1. And I peeled the label off for the bells, but it was my least favorite. So we can look oh, that 5. up. 5. I, I left the back label on it. It's a 5.5. It wasn't that good. I'm right. sorry, old man Bell. It was not that good. So our, our final uh, Wiener de Schnitzel tally. Uh, Sarah, what's your Wiener de Schnitzel ratio here? I drank four, and I think I gave two Wieners and two schnitzels. And Mike, yours was? I got two schnitzels and a Wiener. And then I got one schnitzel and three Wieners. So I think we came out one ahead on Wieners. I think that sounds right. Yeah, so pretty close. It was a, it was a good 50-50 split. That's life. You know, life doesn't always you know give you the schnitzels you want. Sometimes you're, you're just hanging on the Wieners, and it usually evens out in the end. Well... I think that'll do it for our Oktoberfest slash Kraftwerk portion of the day. And we Ooh. will move on to our next segment. 
a new segment where we're going to talk about some of our favorite lesser known German stories in a segment we are calling German Gossip Folk Tales. So German gossip folk tales, um, you know, we've done this before, right? We've done it in our previous German episodes, I think, right? We've done this yeah, like six our, or seven times. Our extensive back catalog of German themed yeah. episodes. We've well, definitely done this. In case you're a first time listener, you know, famously, the Brothers Grimm, they're from Germany, and they've shared some of the the quintessential folk tales that have shaped our childhoods and beyond. But yeah, you know, we all know the big ones. We all know those, the, the the key stories. What we're going to talk about today are some of the lesser known German folk tales, uh, kind of some of our favorites that are you know a little bit farther down in the in the liner notes. They're a little bit of a to use a, a musical term. They're album cuts. Exactly. They're yes. they're story album cuts. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to share a little bit about those. Jack, do you, do you have one you'd want to start with? Yeah. So mine in English, it's just the goose is just what it's called. The German name is very long and I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But basically the plot of the story is it's a family of ducks and there's a father and mother duck. And then they have a series of three ducklings. The mother duck works a lot and the dad duck is kind of a goof off. Their son duck is grounded. And he's not supposed to have a birthday party, but the dad duck throws a birthday party for him anyway. The mom duck comes home and sees the birthday party and wants a divorce. So the ducks get divorced. The dad duck decides that the only way for him to stay into his duckling's life is to pretend to be a nanny. So the duck dresses himself up as a goose, hence the title of the story, and then gets a job as a bird nanny. So then the bird nanny goose comes in and pretends to be a goose throughout the duckling's development and teaches him how to swim and all that. And as they go, it becomes clear one day to the kids that, uh uh-oh, this goose is actually a duck and this duck is our dad. And then they go to divorce court, duck divorce court is what it's called for them. Then the court really comes down on him because they say that this, this duck is delusional if he's pretending to be a goose. And it's a whole thing. But then finally, the mother duck realizes that she has been unfair to her kids and clearly the dad goose cares for them and then a farmer comes and kills them all because it's a german story uh they eventually use that as the basis for an american movie the name i forget i don't i don't really know but i think they changed the ending a little bit yeah i I think it was uh it was uh jurassic park three yep that's it yep the third one the third one right they just de-evolved the geese yeah Thank you so much for, for, for sharing that one. Because honestly, like, again, these, these are not the, the, the ones that are at the top of everyone's list when they're thinking about their, you know, the classic German folktales. But this one's just as important because it teaches a very valuable lesson. And of course, that lesson is, um, you know, friendship is important. And deceive your children. Yep. That's, the other, that's the other lesson. Those are the two most important lessons. Yes. Uh, Sarah, do you have a, have a story for us? Yes, um, I actually have one that, uh, yeah, I mean, some some might see it as kind of a Cinderella tale, um, it, though it does originate from the Rhineland area, um, from Bonn, we were discussing earlier. It's a story about one of my favorite emotions, but it, it tells a story which, you know, the, the, the name of it, Schadenfreude Relikind, which roughly translates to Ella, the child who takes joy in others' pain. Um, 
it's about a little girl named Gretel, which Ella is, you know, for short. So sure. she goes by. Classic, and, classic shortening. Yes, classic shortening. Same amount of syllables, but it's shorter. Um, it's like an so, Alabama biscuit. It's so much classic shortening. Yes, so much. So much classic shortening. So, you know, roughly speaking, like her father dies. She's left with an evil uh, Stiefmutter um, and stepsisters. And they make her clean the house, farm the land. And one day, you know, they all get this invitation to go to the castle. And the evil stepmother is like, you can't go to this ball. She's like, you could, you don't get to meet the prince. And Sean Freda Elekind is like, hey, this sucks. And she goes out into the farmland and she cries. And all of a sudden, her fairy godmother just like shows up. It's like a fairy godmother, like, figure. She's not, like, it's German, you know? Right. So she still looks like a haggard old witch. Gives the girl what she wants. She's, yeah. like, friendly enough, you She know? looks like every German woman. Like, they're not going to, like, sugarcoat it. That's what a German woman looks like. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's like if if Angela Merkel was not polished, um, is a little bit... It's pronounced Polish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so the very godmother just kind of, you know, she's like, gives her the whole transformation, blah, blah, blah. Like, here's your gown and all this shit. You can go to the thing. However, this is where the story deviates, okay? She goes, you know, instead instead of, you know, having, like, these magical shoes or whatever, a Shunfreda relicand has this magical gift. She gets to the ball, and she sees her stepsister, like, walking down the steps, like, about to greet the prince. She goes, you know, it'd be so great if she just, like, tripped and fell. And then the stepsister trips and falls. And Ella got, like, a shit ton of joy out of it and was like, what up? That was fucking baller. And then it happens again. And then she's like, that was fucking awesome. Oh my God, I'm making this happen. Like, it just occurs to her. And she's like, fuck yes. I gotta just like take all the joy out of these things. And eventually she's the only princess left and she wins the prince's hand. And that is Schadenfreude a Relicant. That is that story. It's such a beautiful story. So it's, a, it's a tale as old as time. Yeah. As, as old as time. That's pretty yeah. old. Honestly, I think about time. Time is one of the oldest things, and it's got to be, if, if I'm thinking this, it's as old as that. Got to be. Got to yeah. be. Well, Mike, you've been, you've been champing at the bit to tell us your German folktale. Well, you know, a lot of people, I think, go with the, the Brothers Grimm, and, you know, they're, they're the big guys, they're the big guns, but I'm going to go with their other uh, lesser-known younger brother who's not really part of the Brothers Grimm, and that's, of course, Grimm Shady, his most famous, it's more of like a poem than like a folk tale, but it's his, his famous tale, uh, Mein Name Eist. And uh, it's a little bit more like he kind of introduces himself. He tells you who what his, his name Eist. And, uh, you know, he asks you some questions. First, he, uh, he, says, he says, hello, kinder, you know, hey, kids. And, you know, uh, he asks us about our, our appreciation of, of violent acts, he says. And he asks us about that. And he gets in a little bit later into the song. And we introduce another character, Herr Dre. And Herr Dre says, Grim Shady, do beast thy bass head. And we laugh and laugh at, at uh, Herr Dre, who's the older gentleman. And he, in a later story, I think he, he locks him in the basement. 
I think. That's very classic for German folk tales. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and then you know, it goes into a little bit how yeah, he 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 gets pissed off. He ignored us hour, and he um, these are for kids. But sometimes, like the original stories, like it, he, he cuts off a piece of a woman's body. But again, this is like it's in the in the translation. It doesn't come off that way. He uses a few um, you know derogatory slurs against women, but you know then again he gets in a little bit more just talking about himself, who he is, uh, how you know his t- English teacher, his in- English air Walter, uh, wanted to flunk him in junior high. They're flunking, uh, and of course uh, sometimes he would walk into Nin Street Club and uh, walk out with the the, uh, the tip cup or the drinking geld, if you will, uh, and you know. Long story short, this is just like a very, you know, quick, you know, poem. It is it's very catchy in a way. Kind of sometimes you can like hear it to like music or something. You know, Grim Shady, he might not have the, you know, the gravitas of some of his of his brother's works, but you know, he's just as relevant today. Totally. I feel like if you go to white suburban kids. They will, they'll skip over the brothers Grimm as like their number one and two. And they'll just say like, oh, Grimm Shady, number one yeah. all time. Like, like just out the gate. And is it necessarily fair to like the art form and maybe like the history of it? Maybe not. But they're just all about lyricism, man. They also really like Der Logic. Yep. Yeah, they're big fans of him as well. And they're Jack Harlow. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. And think about Grim Shady too. Yeah. Like, it's not his yeah. fault. Like, I mean, like it is his fault. Like, he's a bit of a uh, of a uh, oh god, what are these? What are those a guys? Homophobe. Called? Well, that too. <laughs> a bit of a homophobe, but he's also a bit of a uh, incel. In you know, so like you know, we of course we're a show that is very supportive of the incel community. Like, it's something we always have. Uh, but you know, uh, Grim Shady, he hadn't didn't have a woman in years. His palms were too hairy to hide. So it's just it's it is what it is. A great great trek through memory lane all these old stories from the 1600s 1500s 1700s all these old stories from the 1800s one of them will work in editing um all these old stories all these old gossip folk tales all right so that brings us to the end of the episode sarah this is the part where you get to plug whatever you want to plug so what would you like to plug do can i can i plug things other than myself because like i want to plug myself um so i am a co-host of death and all her friends um, which is a podcast, and it's great. It's about death. So great. We love talking about death, all yes. of the things related to death. First um, repeat guest Emma Wargolet was is the co-host, and I guested on it fairly recently, sort of. A recently released episode. You, yes, yes. <laughs> that is very true. Dustin's. Um, yeah, I, yep. I moved to New York and I neglected to edit things until I moved back to Chicago. So yeah, that is a recent episode. We'll call it that. The other thing I want to plug because it's a German episode, I want to plug my favorite German artist, Max Robb. He is a Weimar Republic era musician. He sings things in that style, but he covers modern music. So he has done like, We Will Rock You. He's done Oops, I Did It Again in like a very 1920s, like Great Gatsby era style. And it is very superb and in German. 
and it is probably the most German thing about me that I enjoy. So, um, want to plug him, want to plug Death and All Her Friends. Um, Do you want to throw uh, some social media out there for Death and All Her Friends at all, other than the podcast? Do you want to throw that out? Um, yeah, so Death and Her Friends, um, that is our handle for Instagram and Death Friends for Twitter, just Death Friends, no N, her, just Death Friends. That's all you need. We don't need to like plug, yeah, like it's Twitter. Get it. It's Twitter. We, got, we don't have time to waste on Twitter. Let's no. just get to the point. Twitter is yeah. all about serious and factual news. It is. We elect the people from Twitter, so it's important. I don't think Angela Merkel, you know, maybe she isn't as prestigious as we thought because she doesn't have a Twitter. So. Well, to be fair, it's so hard, so much harder to use Twitter in Germany because there are words that are more than 180 characters. You know what? That is actually not false. <laughs> yeah. It's also a sick burn and an outdated burn because they've since updated the limit, but I don't remember what it is anymore. Well, it's certainly not a good hashtag. Don't at me at Deutschland. Or Deutschland. Jack Dorsey. Or Jack Harlow. <laughs> Too many Jacks. Yeah, that's what Grim Shady said when he hasn't had a woman in years. Too many Jacks. Just Jack. <laughs> the trans- it's different in the translation. It's funnier in the translation. If you read it in the original German, it's hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Sarah, thank you for coming on the show, and thank you for getting drunk with us, essentially, because this is a... We're behind the curtain. We're recording this on a Monday night, so it's a, it's, this is a real scandal. Thank you for coming on the show. We'd like to remind everybody, if you want to follow us on things, we're basically at Bruticris at everything. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Bruticris. We are BruticrisPod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Our inbox right now is just spam. Uh, So if you want to send us something that's not spam, that'd be great. Or if you want to send us cans of spam, don't. I I like spam, but that means I have to give you my email address, or like my actual physical address, and that's problematic. But the other thing we would like to remind you is we do, at the moment, have shirts available, and all of the proceeds will be going to a variety of charitable organizations. You can see those for the individual shirts. The website itself is bonfire.com slash store slash Bruticris. We're going to have some new designs probably coming out. So check that out, because we'll be kind of keep updating that as we go, um, depending on what people like or don't like. So we'll see how that goes. But check that out, and I think... That covers just about everything except for iTunes. Mike, do you want to tell them about what we'll do if they rate us five stars on iTunes? Do I have to find? Okay, so listen, guys, this is such bullshit, but like if you rate us five stars on iTunes, we have to give you this stupid poem. And it sucks. I hate poems. Poetry's lame. Uh, but like if you rate us five stars, we have to send you an Emily Dickinson style poem, like a couple of dorks couple of geeks on the street like in the song regulators by warren g and i don't want to do that but we have to so if you're gonna do it man screw you that's it for tuba chris thank you sarah again for guessing and for being our ambassador to germany which you can now i think get that license plate feel free to get that ambassador license plate tell them we sent you yeah definitely gonna do that feeling done for having me i appreciate it so thank you and Good Gutes Nacht. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Later, skater. You saw off the table, butter, margarine.